The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast. Good morning, everyone on the West Coast. And welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Today, we're talking about golf as a mental game. And so is life. What eludes most golfers also stays beyond the reach of many of us, which is where my guest, Gil Anderson, comes in. Gil Anderson has been playing and teaching golf for most of his 64 years, and he's learned that by overcoming self-doubt in golf, a player at any level can learn to apply the same way of thinking to life. So now Gil Anderson is sharing these techniques that he's taught to thousands in a new book called Going For It, in golf and life, and it's going F O R E it in golf and life. Welcome, Gil. The show today. Thank you. Why did you decide to write this book, Gil? Well, the book is sort of a miracle in a lot of ways. Um, I'll give you the short version of the story that I, I uh, how, how it came about. Um, I've been. Um, teaching golf for a long, long time. I've been teaching for 38 years, playing the game for 58 years, and and uh, have always been very, very passionate about um, both golf and living life. I've been doing a lot of living life along the way, and there's very metaphorical um, connections with uh, the thought process in playing golf and some of the challenges we're, we face every day of our lives. Um, we're kind of in a world right now of a little bit disarray and turmoil and frustration and anxiety. And I've uh, started to, uh, about three years ago, I started to uh, do some writing on the side, um, trying to see how, how golf applies, because for me, all of my life, it has been very applicable. But what mm-hmm. happened a couple of years ago, I had a student that came to me very reluctantly. My wife kind of forced him into it. And uh, he told me he really hated golf, but uh, he was a psychologist. And after one or two lessons, he really got hooked on the game. And for five years, I've worked with him. He takes a lesson almost every week. And he continued to say to me, Gil, you have to write a book. The things Mm -hmm. that you're talking about are so psychologically correct. And he asked me about my background. I said, I have no background in psychology. I have a lot of background in human nature working with students. So that's how it kind of came about. It was kind of a challenge. Mm. Well, also, um, some of this uh, nearly slipped away from you in 1995 when you did have coronary artery disease and you thought you might not be able to play golf again. Mm -hmm. But then you did play golf again, but you added on the component of meditation and Pilates. Exactly. I became uh, 
you know, uh, it's a pretty it's pretty shock to your 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 well being when suddenly find you're sick and you don't even feel sick, mm. uh, sick to the point of being uh, you know one year of rehabilitation and trying to get back with it. But um, my left shoulder froze. They dislocated my shoulder when they opened me up, and and there were just a series of things that went wrong: uh, blood infections and collapsed lungs and everything. So I had a lot of complications. And I thought I was out of it completely, but um, I'm a very determined human being. Anything, I believe very much in the human spirit. Um, anything that a person wants to accomplish in life is is very possible. And no matter what stands in your way and how much interference you have. If you want it enough, you will be able to achieve it. And that's kind of the message I carry through. in the book. Yeah, and that's the next question, is where does the spirituality come into the golf game? Well, the spirituality comes in a very interesting way you pose the question. Spirituality, I believe, strongly comes from the golf game. Um, the environment itself applies a lot of that. Um, the nature of uh, learning how to play golf <clears throat> requires a certain level of acceptance of a natural body kinesthetics relationship that's almost goes beyond the mind. Um, it's almost comes from parts unknown. Uh, when you really develop what we call flow, I refer to it as the flow zone, mm -hmm. the golf swing. And it's a spirited driven. So the mind, body, and spirit must be connected for a perfect golf shot. So it's yeah. a spiritual acceptance of the possibility that exists within us to make contact, make contact, better contact with life and better contact with golf. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a natural thing for me to think of the spiritual connection. And I've been able to transfer that very well to my students. And when they accept it, they become much better players. How much of this, though, Gil, is skill in golf? Meaning knowing how to stand, knowing how to swing, having the right physical posture. How much of it is that, and how much of it is the attitude? Mm, that's well. It's I, I break it down almost. Uh, it's almost a third, third, and a third. The the nature of and when I say a third, third, and a third, a third, the physiology having to do with the mechanics of the golf swing the one-third of the mental attitude toward it and one-third of the acceptance of the human spirit of it. So when the human spirit is accepting, then the physiology will cooperate. When the human spirit is resisting, the mm -hmm. physiology won't. And that mm -hmm. happens with uh, different challenges that you're faced in golf and life. Right. And when they connect, so, when they're yes. totally congruent, that's when magic happens, and that's what we look for. So, so when you work with a student, when a student, mm -hmm. an adult or, or a young person, whoever mm -hmm. it is, when they come to you, what's the first thing you do? Do you do some mental exercises about attitude and focus uh, yeah, and peace, a, mm -hmm. or do you go right to the, to the postures? Mm -hmm. Well, the first things that are absolutely required are the correct mechanics. But it turns out that the golf swing even though popular opinion would suggest that this is not so, the golf swing is much more natural than people believe when it's constructed from the proper part of the body. The way the human body is connected uh, through the bones and tendons and joints and ligaments and everything else, when the swing is generated from a shoulder turn, the rest of the body will move along in the same, uh, with the same relationship to that shoulder turn. It's almost automatic. 
And when a student starts to work from the shoulders rather than the arms and the hands, then it happens naturally. The stance mm. in golf, as an example, if you were to watch a person standing in line and they came to a stopping point, they would go into almost a perfect golf stance with their mm. heels balanced under their shoulders. They wouldn't take an overly wide stance or an overly narrow stance. Mm. It would be very natural. So I try to tap into that natural inclination of the human body. Uh, there's a beautiful uh, connection, God-given connection that the body has to accept the golf swing. So that's, that's mm. critical. Um, if there's anything artificial about that, that's where the problems come in. Okay. Now, in your book, you talk about, from the inside out, Chapter 5, connection to the source. Mm-hmm. And that's what you mean when you talk about connection to your source or connection to a higher power source. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about here? That's one of my, that's one of my favorite chapters, uh, the connection to the source, the source of all creation. Um, it's, it's spiritual. I don't consider it to be religious. Um, it's almost cosmic um, that when we are accepting, the word acceptance is such a critical word in the human language, um, because when we become accepting, we're accepting all of our potentiality, the optimal potentiality. I'm doing a lot of uh, speaking engagements now, and I talk about the optimal achievement, the cap- capacity we have for optimal achievement and, and capability when we accept no limitations. So mm. when we move from the inside out, and interestingly enough, I relate it to the golf swing. Uh, when a club is passing through the ball, there's a line of flight that I think anybody can imagine who may be listening on the radio, um, a line of flight that is perceived that the ball is going to travel on. Any part of the uh, relationship to that that's close to the body is the inside of the line of flight, mm-hmm. and any part on the other side of the line of flight is the outside of the line of flight. And when a golf club is swung from the shoulders, the, uh, the club actually moves from the inside of the line of flight to the outside of the line of flight and then back to the inside as the shoulders turn. When that happens right at the strike of a golf ball, there is a total congruent acceptance of a spiritual uh, feeling. And one of the things I always ask my students when they hit a perfect shot is what did that feel like? And the now what do they is, say? Pardon me? What do they say usually? Yeah, that's, What's the answer? Yeah, that, it, the response is kind of almost miraculous to me because they'll, they'll look at me with, it, with it, almost astonishment on their first solid contact and they'll say, that felt so good, that felt so satisfying. And what they're referring to is the satisfaction that something within them, their soul. And then from within that, that context comes the outward expression of joy and, and discovery and belief in what their cap- capability is. And I watch transformation go on as a student starts to learn. That's why I love to work with beginners. They're so childlike when they first get that response. Um, one of the things you talk about in your book is authenticity. Now, mm-hmm. do you mean that when you're playing golf, you are authentic? You know, you're not using head games. You're not um, playing with words. You're not sparring with anybody, but you're just intent, but you're also authentic. Is that what you meant? Yes, pretty much. Um, where Where authenticity comes in is that we cannot... In order to strike a golf ball properly, we cannot manipulate the golf ball. 
I think too often in, in life um, and golf, because we're such intellectual animals of the animal kingdom, we're the only really intellectual examples in the animal kingdom. Uh, most animals are instinctive. All animals, except for the human being, is instinctive. They don't really rationalize and think things out. They work instinctively. Um, when we become authentic in golf, we stop trying to manipulate the hit. If you were to refer that to a lot of what goes on in business today and even in education, um, it tends to be sometimes imposing and manipulative. Um, if you look at advertising, the advertising industry sometimes manipulates us to believe what they are suggesting through repetition and almost a neuro-linguistic programming to be accepting mm-hmm. of something you may not even believe in, <laughs> which is dangerous. When we, when we try to, um, when I, at least in my teaching, when I try to um, t- teach someone how to strike a golf ball for the first time, I talk about authenticity, the authentic hit. And the authentic hit isn't one that wants to steer the golf ball. It's one that allows the ball Mm. to go to its destination. Mm. And when we allow that to happen, we become authentically connected to the process. So it becomes Uh, process-oriented. I want to relate. I want to take that, what you just said, which I think is powerful, and how we can relate it when we're dealing in relationship with people, where we just come from that authentic place where we're not defending ourselves, we're not arguing but we're stating, this is how it is for me. How do you relate that or take that process? And I know you're not a therapist, but how would you, would you relate that or translate that into dealing with other people? Mm-hmm. Well, it's very interesting what's happening in my life right now because I'm not a therapist and I have to be careful of not being perceived as a therapist because uh, there's something that's happening in my expansion because many of my golf students are asking me to get more involved in other aspects of their life. And it's opened up what uh, the term that's thrown around in today's society is life coach. Yes. Um, and I've had people ask me if I do any life coaching. And I said, well, I don't know that I can life coach. Um, what I can maybe do is inspire you. Um, and so I've taken on, I now have uh, 15, 20 clients uh, who in the wintertime come to me for this, I call it optimal achievement coaching. Mm -hmm. And the optimal achievement coaching is opening a person up to their optimal potentiality. And it's not me imposing on them, but it's them being um, not even, it's not even motivational. It's more inspirational that I can inspire people. So that opens people up. And I think it is very powerful. And I'm kind of, uh, my life is kind of being controlled from places, you know, outside of myself. And it's expanding very nicely and very beautifully. And um, the wonderful privilege that I have to work with people and the expansion of what I do as a golf instructor has been a very exciting part of my life. So I'm seeing results that I never expected that I would see. And I do, I do have to be very careful of not being a therapist because many, many people want somebody to tell them what to do and how to think. And I don't think we have a right to impose that way. So, um, but it's been a very interesting experiment in evolution. And I hope it continues because it's very satisfying. Yeah, that's very exciting. Now, there's something in here. You have different words that really um, interest me. So in Chapter 9, your first word in terms of courage and confidence, 
you have anticipatory regret. What does that mean? Does that mean you are going to accept if you make a mistake? It's a, that's a very interesting, um, uh, this, this really goes back quite a ways. Um, what anticipatory regret is, is that we tend sometimes not to take risks in our life. And risks, even though they're calculated risks and they seem to make sense uh, to us, um, we, we're afraid to reach out and go for it. And that's the fundamental theme of my project. I call it, it's not a book anymore to me, it's a total project. And uh, anticipatory regret causes restrictions. And what it is, is that we anticipate that if we make a decision, it might be perceived or actually be the wrong decision. So if we don't make a decision in our life to go for it in whatever manner it is, we can never hold ourselves responsible for making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. So we anticipate that we are going to be regretful if we make a decision and it turns out negative. So it tends to be a force that holds people back from full expansion of their capacity and capability. Mm-hmm. They tend to settle for where they are rather than really reaching out to another level of, of what they really could accomplish. Right, and understanding that there may be regret in there. That's all part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? I mean, no, that's, that's all part of, part of it. Okay. What other tips would you like to give to our people who are listening who are golfers? Well, the uh, first tip is don't try to hit the golf ball. Now, that may sound really crazy. Uh, don't try to hit the golf ball. What am I here for? It's the fundamental desire, because the golf ball goes supposedly it goes far, that we try to make it go far. And as we try to make it go far, we overexert, particularly from the top of the backswing, which totally disconnects the levers in our body that allows the ball really to be struck. So because we feel that we have to swing hard, we break down, the swing breaks down. And that ends up in slices and snap hooks and hosel tops and all kinds of terrible mistakes. Mm. And so what happens to the brain, the brain says, wait a minute, I better control it even more. I better try harder and work harder. When in truth, the answer lies in not trying so hard. In Eastern mm-hmm. philosophy, we refer to it as doing non-doing. Um, so, so, ex- you, so you don't try to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. You, you allow try the ball, to do what? Yeah, you allow the ball to get in the way of the perfect swing. Oh, how interesting. What an interesting way to say that. And when the mind transfers over to that concept and the acceptance of that concept, that's when the magic happens. All right, I want to say that again because I think that's fascinating. You allow the ball to get in the way of the perfect swing. Exactly. Mm. So the perfect swing has to do with the process of swinging from the shoulders and accepting Mm. a movement, a flowing movement of the body that automatically connects. So when we gain that fluidity, that's why if you watch a, a player that really has a, a capability, um, their swing seems so gentle, yet they're, they're uh, generating club head speed with a driver through the ball. Professionals on tour today um, generate club head speeds of 130 to 150 miles an hour going through the mm. golf ball. Mm. But, but yet when you watch them swing, it seems like they're hardly trying. What has made, uh, I'm hesitant to bring his name up these days, but what has made Tiger Woods so good? 
Well, you don't really have to be so hesitant to do that. Um, I'm kind of I'm going to just take just a little minor departure. I'm hoping that Tiger Woods responds to the challenge that he has and the responsibility in front of him right now to be one of the most extraordinary role models of overcoming adversity that we may have ever had in golf. He could go one of two ways. So I have a great wish for Tiger to uh, come out as a almost a reborn personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see that. The tournament he played in this weekend, he was extraordinarily gracious, even though he didn't play well, and did a marvelous interview at the end. But let's go back to the question you asked, what makes him so good? What makes him so good is kind of interesting, because he comes from a, uh, his, his mother is a Zen Buddhist. And so he comes I didn't from, know that. Yeah, he comes from an Eastern philosophy given to him by his mother. But his father was a, a Marine, and he comes from a highly disciplined um, background uh, from his father. So he has, within him, he has the best of both worlds. Um, Tiger's early success, uh, you know, probably led to his, his uh, dismantlement, um, because once a person has everything in life, they start to reach out for things that they can't have. Mm, and that can be very detrimental. And I think that's one of the breakdowns uh, that we all risk in life when we get too successful. I know some very successful people who aren't terribly happy if we, if we looked at success in monetary reward. And I know some people who have limited monetary reward who are very happy um, because they have, they're accepting and graciously accepting for what they do have. And mm. I think that gratitude, gratitude is such an important uh, value in the human uh, experience. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. All right, we have a few minutes left till close, so let me go back into another part of your book um, that I really like. And you talk about duality and duality within. What do you mean by that? Is that when you're kind of fighting with yourself? (laughs) It's actually arguing. The brain argues with itself. And, um, you know, those people who may be listening who are a little bit familiar with... um, with, uh, you know, the, the left and right hemispheres of the brain and how they function. Um, we have the left hemisphere being very intellectual and the right hemisphere very being more of the spiritual, um, um, accepting kind of um, theoretical uh, feeling the flow aspect. And what happens a lot of times, this duality fights itself. So the methodology that comes from the left brain, I have to do this or I have to do that, is fought by the right brain that just accepts the fluidity of the golf swing. So right in the middle of a golf swing, the left brain will kick in, and that duality will challenge the right brain. I'll give you a quick example. Mm -hmm. Standing in front of a water hazard, we look at the water hazard, and it may be a carry of 150 yards, which would be a 7-iron or a 6-iron for most people. And um, they stand there knowing that they can hit the shot perfectly over that water hazard. But they get to the top of their backswing, and the intellect uh, suddenly kicks in and says, I have evidence that you will not make it. And then they Mm -hmm. try a little harder, and they flub the shot. Whereas if they allowed the right hemisphere to just accept the fact that they've done it hundreds and hundreds of times and allow it to happen rather than try to make it happen... That's where the duality comes into a neutralization, and mm. the shot comes off. So interesting. So much of this is, as you're saying, from within, isn't it? So Pardon much me? of this is, I mean, so much of this is from within, 
You have to oh, have absolutely. the skill. It's so much is it from is yeah, it from comes really from within, within me. I've been you know I've been thinking about these things for fifty eight years, and well, the, the joy of writing the book was like an ex- experience like I've never had. It was I had no outline when I wrote the book. It just evolved, and it evolved and it, from kind of an exploration. I had passion. What I what I did is I said, how did I get here? And I said, I have passion. Passion drives it. And when a person has passion, they will develop a purpose. Yes. And as their purpose becomes clear, they will either adopt or create a process. For me, I created a process. Mm-hmm. And from yeah, I know process, this well, because this is what from, I've done. Mm-hmm. And from yeah. the process, a pursuit is enabled. Yeah. But it must be done with patience and perseverance. And well, otherwise. you've just named four of my five P's to success, Gail, that I, exactly. that I coined about five years ago. The first Absolutely. one is purpose, and passion. It, you know, what's crazy, per- it's logical thinking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. My five P's to success are purpose, uh, planning, passion, persistence, and patience. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that's I just, really what you you're know, talking about. For me, in writing the book, it evolved just an exploration of how I went through life. It's so and, exciting. I mean, it's and, very exciting when you're doing what you love, which is what I'm doing. And I did the same thing that you did. It, mm-hmm. I had a passion, and I did have a purpose, and the rest evolved. I figured out the process, and I figured out the success model you on my own. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. That's how you do it. Now, let me just uh, say this. I want to say a couple things because we have two minutes to close. Okay. I want to read some things that are in your book for our listeners. Here are some questions for listeners to think of themselves in the game of golf for a plan of action. What skills do I need to work on? What information or knowledge would be helpful? What assistance do I need and from whom? What resources do I need? What could block my progress? What assumptions am I making? What ways could I do things better? And what are my limiting beliefs? For a copy of this book, uh, go to the website, which is goingforit.com. And that's going, F-O-R-E-I-T.com. Or email Gill at goingforit.com. Cheat going, F-O-R, for, F-O-R-E-I-T, dot com. The name of the book is Going For It in, Gol- in Golf and in Life. Gil, you've been very um, inspirational. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Well, my goal for the rest of my life is to inspire as many people as I possibly can. I hope to carry that on for at least the next 30 years. Well, thank you so much. And stay on the line, please. All right, folks. um, Remember, stay tuned each week to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you.